0: Welcome ladies to our online Bible study. Today we are starting the fourth chapter of the pursuit of God called Apprehending God. To apprehend means to become aware of. So we are learning to become aware of God. Notice that the verse Tozer uses for this chapter is Psalms 34 verse eight. It reads, O taste and see that the Lord is good, Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Those who seek the Lord discover that he not only saves and keeps, but that he also satisfies. When we read, O taste and see that the Lord is good, taste here does not suggest a sip or a nibble. It implies feeding on the Lord through his word in experiencing all he has for us. Let's turn in our Bibles to 1st Peter chapter 2 verse 2 and 3 it says as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious David also found that God's Word Was sweet as we notice in Psalms 119 verse 103 it says how sweet are your words to my taste sweeter than honey to my mouth tasting means knowing God better and enjoying Him more so to know God better we need to look at who God is question number one of our homework says to most people god is an inference not a reality is he a reality to you now as you did your homework i'm sure you journaled a lot on how god is real to you and there is a lot of stuff that god does for us but i want you to look Hear and see this of what people think about Christ on the street. Please listen to this. I consider Jesus to be a religion's idea of uh, the second coming of the Lord. Um, well, being a Muslim, I would say that Jesus is actually a prophet of God. Um, we believe that he was sent down by God to give Jesus, Jesus is the Son of God, and he's our uh, my savior. Can be yours too. <laughs> he was all. He was a liberator, also a revolutionary in his time. Um, in my opinion, I believe he is. A, his story is very important for people of our day and age. But uh, personally, I don't follow in the in the, in the religion that he, that he has created for us, or so to speak. No, really I'm kind of an atheist, so <laughs> it doesn't really have a. And so he was somebody who, 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 who dedicated his life to saving my life. That's the reason why we're here today, is because Christ gave his life for us. I'm not really a Christian, but i definitely say he, I consider him a philosopher personally. I think he had a lot of wonderful ideas. I think some of them have been lost in the centuries since then, but I think he was definitely groundbreaking. Jesus is the, the Son of God, and I believe that Jesus is the main purpose of my life. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be living. Jesus you know, was a man. You know, I don't care about the whole son of God thing because supposedly we're all the sons and daughters of God. Not to me, but from what I hear from other people, he's a savior of Christians. I think Jesus was a real person. and I guess now he'd be kind of a personal spirit. I think he was a person, but now I I don't know if he's a person or like a concept or a belief you know something that like just keeps people going so they say he's a prophet of god he is the son of god a liberator revolutionary of his time they don't know cuz they're an atheist they say that he is a philosopher just a man or a concept of belief that keeps people going To most people, God is an inference, not a reality. They deduce that he must exist, but he is not spiritually known to them. To others, God is only an ideal. He is goodness, beauty, truth, or the creative impulse behind existence. God, to some, is a reality known in personal experience. From generation to generation you can see a spiritual downfall. You figure Tozer wrote about the lack of spiritual pursuit 60 years ago. Think about where we are today. We have seen with the video series on our Founding Fathers how our country was built On Judeo-Christian ethics. We see here Thomas Jefferson, our third president. He said, Almighty God, who has given us this good land for our heritage? We humbly beseech thee that we may always prove ourselves a people mindful of thy favor and glad to do thy will bless our land with honorable ministry sound learning and pure manners then we have our 30th president calvin coolidge who said the foundation of our society and our government rest so much on the teachings of the bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country." And now, our 44th president, Barack Obama, states that we are no longer a Christian nation. Let's hear from President Obama's own words. we once were, we are no longer a Christian nation. At least not just. We are also a Jewish nation, a Muslim nation, and a Buddhist nation, and a Hindu nation, and a nation of non-believers. Not only has our leadership withdrawn from God, but God has been taken out of everyday living. Psalms thirty three twelve says, Blessed is the nation whose God is. Is the Lord. Ladies, we need to get back to the basics. Our nation is not going to get any better. We are living in the end times. Now, more than any other time, we need to be diligent in pursuing a deeper relationship with God. We need to be in our Word. We need to know God experientially. I cannot stress this point enough. So how can a Christian know God? We should know Him experientially. We should be able to know God the same way that we know the reality of this world. Which brings us to question two of our homework. In what ways Can we apprehend God in the same way we can apprehend this world? When we look at this, we can know God as certainly as we know material things through our familiar five senses. And what are they? It is hearing, seeing, touching, tasting, and smelling. Let's look at some Bible verses that go along with these five senses. For hearing we have John ten twenty seven says My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. For seeing we have Matthew five verse eight says Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Touching we have Mark five twenty seven. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Tasting, we already saw we had Psalms 34 verse 8. "O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. And then last we have smelling. Psalms 45 8. All your garments are scented with myrrh and aloes and cassia out of the ivory palaces by which they have made you glad." I'm reminded of a story that I heard about a city pastor who was visiting a sheep farmer. The sheep farmer asked the pastor to come and take a walk with him on his land. So the pastor did. As they walked, they came across the shepherd's flock of sheep grazing in the field. The shepherd said, Pastor, I was thinking about your message on John 10 verse 27 and how the sheep know their shepherd's voice. Have you ever seen it illustrated? Well, you remember the pastor's from the city and he hasn't been out to the pastors that much. So he said no. He had not really seen that illustrated personally. He asked the pastor to call his sheep. And to be fair, he told him just exactly how he calls them. So the pastor tried and he called the sheep. And as the the shepherd had instructed him to do. But the sheep just kept grazing in the field. Not one head popped up. Then... The shepherd called out to the sheep. Every head of the sheep popped up and looked at the shepherd to say, yeah, what do you want? And they stopped grazing to look. They knew their shepherd's voice. Ladies, we need to make sure that we are so close to God that we know his voice, that we know the difference between God's voice in an impostor's voice so that we know that it is God asking us to do something and not Satan himself the other one i'm thinking of is on touch of our senses and we looked at mark 5:27 the woman planned here to slip away and get lost in the crowd when she touched the hem of jesus But Jesus turned and stopped her. Do you know why he stopped her? He tenderly elicited from her a wonderful testimony of what the Lord had done for her. Why did Jesus deal with her publicly? Why did he simply permit her to remain anonymous and go on her way? He did this because he wanted to be her something more than a healer. He wanted to be her savior and her friend as well. He wanted her to look into his face, feel his tenderness, and hear his loving words of assurance. By the time he finished speaking to her, she experienced something more than physical healing, he called her daughter and sent her on her way with the benediction of peace. To be made whole meant much more than receiving mere physical healing. Jesus had given her spiritual healing as well. Ladies, he wants us to feel his tenderness and hear his loving words of assurance too. We apprehend the physical world by exercising the faculties given us for that purpose. As we possess spiritual faculties by means of which we can know God and the spiritual world if we will obey the Spirit's urge and begin to use them. So question three of our homework says, why can't an unregenerate person apprehend God? So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 for the answer. It says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual faculties of the unregenerate man lie asleep in his nature, unused, and for every purpose, dead. Speaking of the unregenerate man, I would like to play for you an audio of a man who is an evolutionary biologist and internationally renowned atheist skeptic and humanist. His name is Richard Dawkins. I don't know how many of you are familiar with him, but he wrote a book called The God Delusion, which was a bestseller in 2006. Dawkins contends that a supernatural creator almost certainly does not exist and that belief in a personal God qualifies as a delusion. Listen to a speech that he had made. bloodthirsty ethnic tensor misogynistic, homophobic, racist and infanticidal, genocidal, physicidal, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully. <laughs> it is so sad to hear such words come out of a man and to hear the people laughing and applauding this it just shows you how much satan really blinds the people question number four of our homework says what is the key for believers to know and have a habitual conscious communion with god in other words what enables our spiritual senses to function let's look at hebrews 11 Verse 6, it says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So the key to developing our spiritual senses is faith. Notice that it says, It is impossible to please God without faith. By faith is meant a living, active faith, a faith that knows and follows God, communes and fellowships with God. It does not matter what a person does, without faith, he cannot please God. It is utterly impossible to please God without faith. Without a saving faith a person stands alone to face the trials and tribulations of this world. As believers God is there to help us through these trials and tribulations that we face but an unbeliever is all alone. Notice the second part of that verse. The person who comes to God must believe and there's two things that they must believe he must believe in God that God is that God exists the words must believe mean necessary and essential is absolutely necessary and essential the second thing is that we must believe that God rewards those who diligently seek Him. Now I want you to note the word there for diligently. It means to seek out God, to diligently seek to find Him and to know Him. God does not reward the sleepy-eyed, complacent, non-thinker, half-interested, worldly-minded, pleasure-seeker. God rewards those who diligently seek to know and follow him. This leads us to our fifth question in our homework that says, What is the difference between imagination and faith? When we look at this, it says, Tozer shows that imagination means it projects the unreal images out of the mind and seeks to attach reality to them. Faith creates nothing. It simply reckons upon that which is already there. So question number six of our homework says, why do we habitually think of the visible world as real and doubt the reality of the other? Tozer said, our trouble is that we have established bad thoughts. We habitually think of the visible world as real and doubt the reality of any other. We do not deny the existence of the spiritual world, but we doubt that it is real in the accepted meaning of the word. John 20 verse 29 says, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Then we look at 1 Peter 1 verse 8, and it says, Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Jesus pronounced a blessing on all who would come to faith without the help of a visible bodily manifestation to them. This blessing comes to all who believe on the basis of the proclaimed gospel and the evidences for its validity. Believers living today are not deprived by not seeing him physically. Instead, they are the recipients of his special blessing. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. When I think of something you cannot see, but yet you believe in, I think about wind. Let's look at John three, verse eight. It says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. This is where Christ was telling Nicodemus about how to be born again and how he explained that you you don't see wind, but yet you believe in it. You can see the effects of the wind, but you cannot see it. At the root of the Christian life lies belief in the invisible. The object of the Christian's faith is unseen reality. We must shift our interest from the seen to the unseen. For the great unseen is the reality is God Himself. So question number seven of our homework says What do we have to be if we truly seek to follow Christ? If we truly want to follow God we must seek to be otherworldly. We need to choose the kingdom of God. Tozer said the soul has eyes with which to see and ears with which to hear. As we begin to focus on God, the things of the Spirit will take shape before our inner eyes. Obedience to the Word of Christ will bring an inward revelation of the Godhead. It will give acute Perception enabling us to see God even as is promised to the pure in heart. A new God consciousness will seize upon us and we shall begin to taste and hear and inwardly feel God who is our life and our all. More and more as our faculties grow sharper and more sure, God will become to us the great all in His presence the glory and wonder of our lives. Ladies, as we pursue a deeper relationship, we need to ask God to reveal Himself to us. We need to acknowledge that He is Lord of our lives. As it says in Luke 1940, if we do not acknowledge Christ as the Messiah and glorify him, the stones will cry out and glorify him. Let's show God our glory so that the stones do not need to praise him. Tozer's prayer at the end of the chapter should be our prayer. It says, O God, Quicken to life every power within me, that I may lay hold on eternal things. Open my eyes that I may see. Give me acute spiritual perception. Enable me to taste Thee and know that Thou art good. Make heaven more real to me than earthly things has ever been. Amen. Ladies, this needs to be our prayer, that we grow more and more towards God in these last days. I hope to see you next week as we begin our study on chapter 5. God bless.